Welcome to Remember Their Names, The Irish in Cleveland, a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society. The Society is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to research, present, and preserve information about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy. Greetings. I'm Margaret Lynch, Executive Director of the Irish American Archives Society. Welcome back to Remember Their Names. It's a podcast series about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. Last episode, I introduced the fact that famine immigration coincided with the coming of the railroad to Cleveland in the late 1840s and early 1850s. In this episode, I'm going to offer a big picture way of tracking the arrival of famine immigrants in Cleveland. Next episode, I'll zero in on some individual famine immigrants and families. The presence of Irish famine immigrants can be detected by looking at the growth of the Cleveland Catholic Diocese in the late 1840s and early 1850s. Not all Irish immigrants were Catholic, but Catholics constituted 80% of the population of Ireland at that time, and Catholic tenant farmers were hardest hit by the famine. In the mid-1840s, just before the famine, the Catholic Church in Cleveland, in all of Cuyahoga County actually, consisted of one church house, St. Mary's on the Flats, served by one resident priest. There was undoubtedly more to be done than one priest could accomplish, but one is what we had. The church in Cleveland was part of the Diocese of Cincinnati at that time. All of Ohio was. 1845 marked the first failure of the potato crop in Ireland. Each year, each successive failure compounded the distress with 1847 earning the title Black 47. Clevelanders knew about the famine. The Cleveland Herald newspaper announced collections for famine relief in 1847 and 1848. Clevelanders understood why Irish immigrants were beginning to show up in greater numbers at that time. It's no coincidence then that the Diocese of Cleveland was carved out as a separate diocese in 1847. The new diocese encompassed all of northern Ohio, from Youngstown to Toledo. Our first bishop was Father Louis Amadeus Rapp. Amadeus Rapp had been born in France in 1801. He was already ordained when he came to the U.S. in 1840 and offered his missionary services to Bishop Purcell of Cincinnati. Purcell assigned Rapp to build a parish in the Toledo area. That's where he first came into contact with Irish immigrants. The Irish had originally come to the western part of Ohio to dig the Miami and Erie Canal. Parallel to the Ohio and Erie, the Miami and Erie on the western part of the state connected Toledo with Cincinnati. It wasn't complete until 1845. Perhaps Bishop Purcell, who was an Irishman himself, hoped that Rapp's work among the Irish in Toledo had prepared him for his new assignment in Cleveland. Bishop Purcell certainly hoped that Amadeus Rapp was the man for the moment, a moment of need, and in a way, Purcell was right. In little more than ten years, Bishop Rapp would create churches, orphanages, convents, schools, seminaries, and cemeteries where there had been none. However, and I admit this is a personal opinion, based on reading, I don't think Rapp ever really developed a strong empathy for his Irish flock. His initial impressions of the Irish were associated with the squalid conditions of the canal work camps that he visited. He seemed to think that the camp conditions were voluntary, that they represented the way that the Irish wanted to live, 
or would live if left to their own devices. Rapp was a staunch supporter of the temperance, the anti-alcohol movement, and the canal diggers were paid in whiskey, in part. His private feeling about the Irish seems to have been that they needed reformation, and they needed a strong hand of a priest to reform them. Fortunately, Bishop Rapp didn't let personal prejudice prevent him from doing the work he was sent to do, to build the infrastructure for a new Catholic diocese. And to be fair, Rapp did have a tough task ahead of him, and the ethnic mix of the new diocese was certainly among his challenges. The influx of Irish famine immigrants may have prompted the formation of the Cleveland Catholic Diocese in 1847, but as far back as 1826, it was both Germans and Irish who had signed the petition for a Cleveland priest. By historical accident, there was an influx of German-speaking immigrants in 1848, when an, an attempt to unify Germany failed. So in 1848, 1849, 1850, Germans and Irish were both pouring into the city. The two groups made up the bulk of the foreign-born population in Cleveland by far, and nearly all the Catholics. Bishop Rapp would have preferred that all Catholics prioritize being Catholic over being Irish or German. He would have been very happy to avoid nationality parishes altogether, but events didn't work out that way. Rapp skirted nationality and language issues at first. His new diocese encompassed growing cities, Cleveland, Toledo, Youngstown, those with concentrated populations, as well as large stretches of farmland and small towns. He quickly set up a network of mission posts in outlying areas first. In 1848, for instance, he approved a mission post in Rockport Township. At that time, Rockport was a farming community west of the city. Today, it's a neighborhood of Cleveland. That outpost became St. Patrick's Parish, West Park. Bishop Rapp also prioritized building a central cathedral. A diocese needed a cathedral, a head church and Bishop Rapp didn't think the small frame one in the flats fit the bill. The commercial district of Cleveland Center, where St. Mary's on the Flats was located, had been built around the canal and the canal terminus. The canal was still operational in 1848, but the coming railroads were already signaling the demise of the canal economy. Cleveland Center was a landlocked peninsula, today's Oxbow Bend, and didn't have the open space needed to accommodate a railroad terminus, so it couldn't be the center of the railroad economy. It was grimy and crowded with warehouses, machine shops, and foundries. Early back, the 1796 surveying party had laid out Public Square as the city's center on high ground on the east bank of the river. By 1848, Public Square was reasserting its primacy over the flats of Cleveland Center. In an earlier episode, I mentioned that Father Peter McLaughlin had been removed as Cleveland's resident priest in 1846. McLaughlin was accused of squandering money on a piece of property at the corner of today's East Ninth and Superior. But a few short years later, with the coming of the railroad and thanks to those famine immigrants and German 48ers, the city was expanding rapidly. Cleveland's population almost tripled between 1840 and 1850 from 6,071 to 17,034. To Bishop Rapp, East Ninth and Superior looked like a fine location for the head church of a new diocese. Work began on St. John's Cathedral in 1848. It was dedicated in 1852. With mission outposts and a cathedral checked off his list, 
Bishop Rapp turned his attention toward establishing parishes. As far as the story of the Irish is concerned, he focused first on two population centers that were just outside the Cleveland city limits at that time, Ohio City to the west and Newburgh to the south. As it happened, commercial and early industrial activity was attracting Irish immigrants to both areas in the early 1850s. The two new parishes, St. Patrick's on Bridge in Ohio City and what would become Holy Name in Newburgh, were visible markers of the growing Irish presence in this area. Ohio City commanded attention first. The west bank of the Cuyahoga River, where it was located, was not included in the original surveyor's plan for Cleveland because the area west of the river was at least nominally under the control of native tribes when the surveyors arrived in 1796. However, one Connecticut family soon acquired vast tracts of land on the west side where Ohio City was incorporated in 1836. In the early 1850s, Ohio City was prospering. Railroads and shipbuilding yards were springing up on the west side of the river near the river mouth. Ohio City Catholics wanted their own parish. There was some initial back and forthing and masses set in temporary locations, but in 1853, Bishop Rapp officially approved the formation of St. Patrick's Parish. It was to be situated on Bridge Avenue near Fulton, a prime location. Fulton was one of the main spokes leading into the city center that developer Josiah Barber had originally laid out at Franklin Circle. By 1853, Bishop Rapp had managed to wrangle an experienced priest from the Cincinnati Bishop, so he had a man to put in charge of the new parish. Lucky for all concerned, that priest was none other than Father James Conlon, friend and classmate of Father John Dillon, who had been the first resident priest in Cleveland. Father Conlon was born in 1801 in County Leitrim, Ireland. He began his studies for the priesthood in Ireland, but was ordained in Cincinnati in 1834 by Bishop Purcell. Conlon was stationed at first in Mahoning Valley, but was sent to Cleveland in 1850 to serve as Bishop Rapp's Vicar General, or Chief Assistant. Bishop Rapp did trust Conlon and had enough else to worry about, so he more or less left Conlon on his own. Father Conlon asked for a young relative, Father James Vincent Conlon, to join him as an assistant at St. Pat's. That was approved. The priests treated their congregation like family and were beloved. Ohio City was annexed to Cleveland in 1854, and Old Father Conlon, as they called him, was the unofficial dean of all Cleveland's Irish priests in the 1850s and 1860s. He often took pride of place at St. Patrick's Day celebrations and other community events across the city. Old Father Conlon built two school buildings and started building a church, the church that still stands today. According to his plain dealer obituary in 1875, he was, and I quote, a warm-hearted, genial, kindly disposed gentleman, an earnest, zealous priest, and his memory will be deeply cherished by all who ever knew him, end quote. His funeral procession from the cathedral to St. John's Cemetery was so long that the front of the line arrived at the cemetery three miles away before the end of the line had even left the church. As I mentioned in an earlier episode, Father Conlon's imposing monument stands near the entrance to St. John's Cemetery on the right-hand side. While Bishop Rapp was giving the green light to St. Patrick's on Bridge, the Germans were pressing for their own church. The bishop allowed a German priest to offer a German language mass at St. Mary's on the Flats starting in 1853. 
but Germans were not living in or near the flats. They wanted a church in a more convenient location, they said. In 1854, property was purchased for St. Peter's at East 17th and Superior. Soon after, Westside Germans clamored for work to begin on their own church, a church on Carroll Avenue near Lorraine. It would be called St. Mary's. St. Peter's was eight blocks from the cathedral, and St. Mary's was even closer to St. Pat's. Rapp was effectively signaling that he was not going to fight the concept of nationality parishes. In the 1850s and for the next decade or so, nearly every new church was identified either as a German-speaking parish or an English-speaking parish, and English-speaking was code for Irish. From this binary perspective, both the Cathedral and St. Pat's Bridge effectively functioned as English-speaking parishes, even if that hadn't been the bishop's original intent. With the Germans and the Irish covered on both the west and the east sides, Bishop Rapp turned his attention south to Newburgh. Newburgh, incorporated separately from Cleveland, was on higher ground than Cleveland. It was less prey to malaria and diseases common to the low-lying ground at the mouth of the Cuyahoga River. Its rich soil made for good farmland. Newburgh was also a commercial center. Since 1799, a waterfall on Mill Creek, a Cuyahoga tributary, had powered a sawmill, a carding mill, and a flour mill. The canal ran through Newburgh, as did a main coach road, today's Broadway. And in the early 1850s, the Cleveland and Pittsburgh Railroad cut through it as well. Newburgh was about to become a major player in the iron and steel industries, but that hadn't happened yet in 1854. That's when Bishop Rapp agreed to a Newburgh parish. It was originally going to be called Holy Rosary. At first, the parish was more of a mission outpost. Rapp had founded a seminary in Cleveland in 1848. There were Irish-born priests in the pipeline, but the first class hadn't graduated yet. In the meantime, Rapp had recruited priests from his native France and from Germany. Rapp and some of the European recruits said Mass from time to time in the homes of the mostly Irish Newburgh Catholics. The obituaries of Holy Name parishioners John Potts and John T. Byrne both recalled that their families hosted Mass before a church was built in Newburgh. Holy Name Parish would get on a stronger footing after the iron rolling mills opened in Newburgh in 1857 and after Father Joseph Gallagher was put in charge of the parish in 1870. But that's a story for another time. Today, I hope you remember the name of the first pastor of St. Patrick's on Bridge, Father James Conlon. He was a steady and sympathetic shepherd that the famine Irish needed. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Margaret Lynch of the Irish American Archives Society. Have a great day. You've been listening to Remember Their Names, The Irish in Cleveland, a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society of Cleveland. Find out more about the Society or get in touch at irisharchives.org.